Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. On Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. And in case you haven't noticed, the coronation of King Charles III will take place on Saturday the 6th of May with a bank holiday on Monday the 8th. And like his late and beloved mother, the king will be crowned at Westminster Abbey in the presence of faith leaders, peers, MPs and foreign heads of state. And the prince and the queen concert are likely to be taken in the gold state coach, which is reserved for coronations and jubilees. Back in 1953, up to a million people travelled to London to watch the coach trundle along the mall. Queen Elizabeth's son and heir wanted to follow a similar ethos of recognising community heroes and bringing people together by encouraging street parties on Sunday the 7th of May and a day of volunteering events on Monday the 8th. And then almost a million people had already signed up back in February to celebrate the coronation with parties. At least 7,000 celebrations are in the works. And as the occasion draws closer, many more parties are likely to be planned. The Coronation Big Lunch, which is putting together packs to inspire and support people to celebrate the new era of the monarchy, hopes the occasion will bring together local communities. And then, of course, after the ceremony, the king and queen consort will be joined by other family members on the balcony of Buckingham Palace to conclude the day's ceremonial events. Parties. Tonight, let's think about parties specifically, because although this will come surely as a surprise to some, at the heart of the universe, there is a party planner extraordinaire. The whorehouse on Hubbard Lane, the locals used to call it. The large, imposing church building had become an object of scorn in the town. Two previous ministers had seduced members of their flock and word of it had spread throughout the community. Scandal lives long. For years, the members of that church hung their heads in shame, clinging together but turning inward. Reacting to the promiscuity of the past, they descended into another, more respectable immorality, legalism. Theirs was a negative Christianity defined by what they didn't do. Stifling rules regulated their behaviour. Fun was starched out of them. Their faith was as rigid as ice and just as cold. They thought that those who drank wine would one day be sent to hell by the Jesus who launched his ministry at Cana. Dancing, bowling, television and anything fun, all of these were outlawed. They were fanatically zealous in their prohibitions. And then, ever so slowly, a springtime thaw began. A little nervously at first, they began to laugh more during their gatherings. Worship became more up-tempo and they discovered that clapping hands and dancing feet are close cousins. 
the lifeblood that is new Christians began to appear. Legalism was sent packing in exchange for a hearty, hopeful faith. The locals forgot that the whorehouse had ever been so called. It all came to a head during a meeting that I attended there. The weekly prayer and Bible study had been cancelled in favour of a Valentine's supper. A witty sermonette was delivered. They played some silly games and then a band took the stage which included two deacons in its lineup. People sat respectfully around tables as the musicians moved into Eric Clapton's You Look Beautiful Tonight. And then suddenly John stood up. John is a giant of a man who could break your back with his hug and three years ago he was in prison and might have felt inclined to do so. He had since gotten to know Jesus. He asked the minister if it was okay, and then he invited his wife to dance. Arm in arm, the two swept around what had become a dance floor, while the rest of the church applauded and laughed at the sheer unbridled joy of it all. William, another deacon, asked his wife to dance, and she complied gladly. And then Charlie an elderly man who had lived too many angry years in the shroud of scowling religiosity and had never once danced in his 40 years of married life, he asked his wife if she would do him the honour. She couldn't because she didn't know how, but she was thrilled by his invitation. Soon the floor was filled with people. It was a celebration of fun and fidelity, and among them a couple who'd been separated for a while and for whom divorce had looked very likely. In each other's arms now, a new beginning, a miracle at a party, a surprise indeed. But then again, Jesus enjoys party miracles. If we doubt that, we should check out another happy couple. They used to live in Cana. Picture the scene. It had been a perfect day, a radiantly beautiful bride, warm candlelight dancing in her eyes, a beaming, mildly embarrassed groom, all broad smiles and nervous laughter, the careless, happy chatter of children dashing here and there while the musicians excelled themselves, a beautiful party. And then disaster struck, bringing the threat of shame in a culture where hospitality was of the greatest importance, the frantic mutters of servants, urgent behind cupped hands, said it all. The easy flow of wine suddenly abruptly halted, all gone now. The whole day was now threatened by miscalculation or budget or unexpected guests drinking their fill. A hasty discussion in the corner, an exchange between a woman and her son, and servants are sent off, commanded to fill huge stone jars with water, Moments later, with appropriate pomp and ceremony, the jars are carried in, and eager guests hurry to taste their host's late offering. The wine is exquisite, testimony surely to the host's outrageous generosity, not for him the well-worn practice of waiting until your guests were past caring about the quality of their drinks and then serving up the cheapest plonk. The host was both glad and mystified. Gladness crowns his day as his friends and family raise their glasses and toast his gift of hospitality. Yet he is mystified because he had been carefully watching the level of pitches and had been dismayed to see them drop so quickly. Anxiety had gnawed away at the pit of his stomach throughout the afternoon, stealing his joy. He was peering into the abyss of family disgrace and now he's the talk of the town. 
But where had that best vintage wine come from? At the corner table, a woman sits, a bright smile written all over her face. Next to her, a young man sits quietly, his eyes alive with joy. Let's put aside our familiarity with the Cana wedding story for a few seconds. Imagine that a major Christian ministry is planning a special launch event. Perhaps there would be an array of dark-suited evangelical dignitaries in solemn attendance. Readings would be recited with careful enunciation. Theologically rich prayers of commissioning and blessing would echo around the rafters. A sober air perhaps would pervade this auspicious occasion. But you chose to begin your ministry at a party, Jesus, a place where wine tumblers were raised and music filled the air, where children chased each other around the room and where the bride danced with her man, shy anticipation in her eyes. And horrors, you didn't just attend, only there to be a witness, you know, but Jesus, you provided the wine and good stuff it was too. And it gets even worse because the wine you gave was at the end of the evening. Just when disappointment was beginning to take hold because the pitchers were running low, you provided the means for the party to continue. Whatever next, Jesus? The truth is, you don't belong in a religious box at all, Jesus. Perhaps that's why so many of us love you. As we reflect on the story of Cana, let's know that the church is called to be the primary sign of the kingdom, a living banquet, a working model of life lived under the love and lordship of Jesus, but a party, if you will, with an open door policy where all are invited to come in from the cold and join in with the fun. The breathtaking truth is this, there is a party planner at the heart of the universe. Zephaniah, described by one commentator as a prophet obsessed with doom, pictures God as the one who skips and pirouettes for joy over his people. The NIV almost loses the sheer exuberance of it all. The Lord your God is with you, it says. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The Hebrew word used here, translated rejoice, sounds quite religious, it means to leap, just as the father in the prodigal story jumps up and rushes out to meet his son. So God is portrayed as the one who is unconstrained by a compulsive need to be measured. Little wonder that Tony Campolo has used the term party deity to describe our awesome God. So, I hope you'll find a place to gather and have some fun during the upcoming coronation weekend. But whatever our plans, let's know this. God is a party planner and because of his love and grace, you and I, we're invited. See you next week. Lucas on Life. 